HawkeyeInsider.com, the place to be for National Signing Day. Sean, it's, it's been quite a day, and I think that's an understatement. Loads of content at HawkeyeInsider.com. David Eichel along with Sean Bach, who, who went on a little road trip today, Sean. I, I know our VIPs are definitely loving the uh, interviews you had with four-star offensive tackle David Davidkoff and high three-star defense tackle uh, Jeremiah Pittman. But, Sean, let's just start right at the top up. Uh, how are you? I mean, like I said, it's been quite yeah. a day. It's been, yeah, it's been a long week too, obviously with everything I got going on with school and then preparing for signing day stuff. Um, yeah, it's been a grind of a week, but, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And honestly, like, I love doing it. So really, really don't have any complaints so that I'm beat pretty dang tired, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you said. It, uh, I mean, it's a really rewarding day for us, though, too. I mean, because we, you know, we get to talk to these kids throughout, you know, their recruitment once they commit. We keep in touch with them and to see, you know, their dreams and talents get recognized. I mean, it, it's always just a really cool day. Uh, and I know, mo- like, a lot of the fans think the same thing. But, yeah, Sean, it's, it's been quite an eventful week, too, like you said. I mean, with the Iowa-Michigan cancellation with Gonzaga-Iowa – on Saturday, I mean, uh, for as slow as things were at times, you know, the beginning of this pandemic, it certainly has completely cranked up in November, December. But like you said, no complaints. I mean, it, it's so much better to be busy than not. Uh, but Sean, as we kind of ended up, ended off our last formcast, we can't wait to dive in uh, to this 2021 class. It's been a long time in the making. I think director of recruiting for Iowa, Tyler Barnes said it's basically been three and a half years in the making. Cause I believe the first offer was to Griffin little back yep. the defensive tackle Griffin little when he was just 14 years old. Uh, so, but I don't want to start there, Sean, let's just start with the general overview. Then we'll dive into a little bit of each prospect and answer some, some questions from our, our listeners and our readers. Uh, Sean, but I mean, let's just, like I said, I'll start right at the top. What are some of your general takeaways uh, from this recruiting class? Yeah, definitely, definitely a lot to like up and down the lineup. I think you're looking at guys that I think this might be the class in the past, you know, four or five years where you're looking at guys that could be, that could all make an impact at some point. I'm not saying that other classes didn't have those guys, but you look up and down the lineup and you're kind of like, like, I do not, I don't know if I could not see that guy making an impact at some point, whether it be on offense, defense, or special teams. This team is just, very, very top heavy, very just balanced too, if you think about it. Because I mean, Carson Sherrar is the lowest ranked recruit in the class. And had he been playing football earlier, he probably would have a higher rating at this point. Sure. So I think that's definitely something significant. Um, obviously, you don't want to get too in depth with the rankings. I mean, even though this class is kind of maybe a uh, exception for that because of how loaded it is with like, I think there's eight four stars. There's eight four stars on 24-7 sports, so that's mm-hmm. definitely noticeable. I think it's like Mike Hall said today, it's like the most that Iowa's had in the past, like, five years combined I believe he or said, something. Yeah, yeah, it was like five or six years combined, which, as you mentioned, it really doesn't surprise me either when you just look at the top-end talent that this, this class does have. Yeah, no, for sure, and that's what's so good about this class too, is just, there's just a lot of pieces that you like and that you could even see making an early impact. I think Zach Tweed eventually could do something. I think Brody Brecht, he's the third lowest ranked recruit on this. I think he's going to be a big X receiver for Iowa. 
I think Jeffrey Bowie, despite maybe some of the numbers that he had as a senior, I think he's going to find an impact. I think Jeremiah Pittman's probably the biggest sleeper in this class. Agreed. When I went to go inter- when I went to go interview him today, he's put on like a ton of muscle. Like he looks like a college defensive tackle at this point. It's kind of yeah. scary considering like from the last time I saw him live in um, I think it was April at EFT workout with Lucas Van Ness and Jeremiah's put on a lot of good weight and he came into um seriously the, talking, what 20 pounds I mean I'm not over exaggerating like seriously he looks 15 20 pounds muscle bigger yeah I mean, his frame I, his shoulders are huge I saw him I saw him at the corner of my eye because when he walked in I was like dude like you got big <laughs> And he's nope. like, I know. <laughs> he's like, I know. <laughs> so he he definitely put on some good weight. He obviously didn't have a fall season because of Illinois and everything they got going on with COVID. Um, so he, he's he really put in the work this off season. You can watch that full interview too. Really good stuff there. He he said that this is really the first time that he's really focused on his back in terms of like lifting. And, you know, that's a real – I don't want to get into, like, too – I don't – because I don't know too much of it. But, like, in terms of, you know, lifting with your back, like, that helps with your posture. That just helps with your sure just, like, definition overall. And he really didn't do that. And now he started doing, like, my God. Like, he is just massive. But those are the guys at the bottom of the class. And it's like you look at the top of the class, like, you know, the David Davikov. Like, he'll find he'll find an impact. Connor Colby, Justice Sullivan, Bo Stevens, Cooper DeGene. Keegan Johnson, Max Llewellyn, like, I don't know how you cannot be excited about this class. I know 2022 hasn't gotten off to the start that a lot of people wish it would, but I think you really have to look at the positives with this 2021 class. And Kirk Ferentz and Tyler Barnes were really, really preaching it too. It's like this class is really, really good. And it starts with the in-state guys too, inside out, always been a thing at Iowa. And that's a big case here as well, that it starts with the in-state guys. And I, I asked Tyler Barnes and Kirk Ferentz this today. I just asked them, I mean, you know, how important was it for, you know, with the pandemic and everything for them really to have such a strong local base of talent? Because I think we've talked about this a few times, Sean. This is probably Iowa's deepest high school class ever, just as far as in-state talent goes. I think 28 to 30 guys are playing, you know, have a scholarship to what, D, at least got one scholarship to a D1 program. I mean, it, it's ridiculous for how small the population is in the state. But, yeah, as you mentioned, I don't see how you look just up and down this list and don't get excited. And it really sounds crazy to say that – there. I won't say there's no weak point to it, but as you mentioned, I think every single player, I, I'm looking down the list and just being like, yeah, you know, I think he could he can make an impact. I mean, these guys are all legitimate candidates to make the two deep in their career. And – uh, like I said, let's just start right at the top, Sean. I, I think that Iowa did a phenomenal job in the trenches. I would argue that they have a top two, top three offensive line class in the country. I know you know other schools got more filled out, but Connor Colby's probably a guy that had there been, you know, if he didn't commit so early and had there been uh, just camps and everything this past spring, he probably earns even more offers, gets an opportunity to showcase himself, move higher up in the rankings. I mean, he ended up 220 on the composite composite four-star ranking on 24-7 sports. But I love what he brings to the table. David Davidkoff, who I think I've praised, you've praised since he committed, before he committed. I mean, I've said on the record 
it wouldn't surprise me if he was a true freshman tackle starter. And I think Tristan Wirfs is the only other person in the Kurt Ferentz era to do that. But that's just the upside that he has. I know there's Mark Kallenberger, there's Jack Plum, there's guys who've been in the system. But David Davidkoff is a different beast. I mean, Alan True from 24-7 Sports, our Midwest recruiting analyst, compared him to, oh, another former Iowa great in Brandon Scherf. I mean, this is – That was actually was uh, it, Char- Charles, Charles Power, Power. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was Power, wasn't it? But, you know, he, broad shoulder, moves his feet, great athlete. He's a former rugby player, and he's just relentless. If you look at his film, Sean, he's not just a one-level blocker. What's really helped separate Tyler Linderbaum and Tristan Wirfs on their tape and in their career? It's their ability to keep up with the running backs and the wide receivers, go downfield, and look for those second and third guys to block. And David Koff's highlight reel is completely filled with that. And I know there's a lot of quote-unquote crown jewels to this class, but you have to love what David David Koff brings to this team in this Iowa. Tim Polisek's probably one of the happiest coaches in that room right in the, in the room right now. Yeah, and rolling early is going to be huge for David as well. I know that he really wants to get out there kind of get involved with the college system, you know, get in the lifting program. He said it though, too, like he's not looking to start right away. I think he's, he said that he could play either inside or outside, but I think a lot of people project him to play tackle. But the main thing I appreciate with him too, is like, he didn't get it too have himself with him. He's a very, you know, not self-centered kid, very low key, like just a great guy to talk with. And he kind of says like, yeah, like me coming in, like I'm taking as a developmental like period I want to I want to compete I want to be up there with some of the other guys like I want to learn as much as possible and just be a sponge and just you know take so many things away because I'm competing with like arguably the best offensive line in the country and you look at this year with Iowa being a Joe Moore finalist like that's true like he just wants to take everything in I think that's what's so special about a guy that caliber because I think a lot of those high four-star army all or not army all-american all-american bowl guys go in expecting to play right away and kind of like bring their own swagger and like david Koff has a swagger but i think he's really appreciate he's really going to appreciate being one of the younger guys in there and learning so much and taking away so much and mm-hmm. really just benefiting from being one of the younger guys and adjusting to college life and I think that's what's going to be really, really key for him too. I think he has a good mindset going into it. And, but yeah, he's very, he's a very talented, very talented player. He, they turned his uh, highlight film on at the um, signing day ceremony, and people like all of his, all of his clips were him just throwing people through the air and just <laughs> finishing them in yeah. the ground, like with no, like with just ease. Honestly, he he's a very special player and. Like you said, I mean, just this offensive line class in total, like I think if Jennings Dunker had a fall season, there's a very good chance that he could have been a four-star again. I think Connor yeah. Colby, with the way that he's been able to progress, like he's been throwing guys since his sophomore year of high school. Bo Stevens is an absolute mauler, but he dropped 20, 25 pounds throughout the offseason to get to be able to play tackle and be more of like a pulling guard too and just be more, you know, move can move more and he really did a good job of that and I think this this class too just has a really good chance to compete I mean that's a great great job of Tim Posek stacking the two offensive line classes because 2020's got three very capable capable guys on scholarship and 
um, Mason Richmond, Tyler Ellsbury, and Josh Volk. So, and I mean, we haven't seen Josh Volk on the uh, depth chart yet, but I've heard that he's been doing some pretty good things on the on the scout team when he's healthy. So that's very promising. But this offensive line, yeah, you said it, Tim Polisek has done a great job recruiting. He's I know a lot of people gave him flack from last year's performance, especially against Michigan and some of the other games with the inconsistency, but he has done a heck of a job recruiting. And the way this offensive line has played, like there's no there's no slowing down. Like the momentum yep. is only getting bigger for that offensive line group. Yeah, and I think it was a huge year as far as on the field performance, Sean, for Tim Polisic. Yeah. But as you mentioned, Joe Moore semifinalist right now. The team's playing the offensive line is playing at a high level. There's really no weak point to them. Yeah, some guys will miss a play here or there, but there's no consistent problem across the board, which I think is key. As you mentioned, Connor Colby's a huge piece. David Dabdkoff, we've already talked enough about him. Bo Stevens, as you mentioned, dropping that weight. I mean, he looked much more athletic in his the jump from his junior or senior film, Sean, I, I thought was dramatic, and his junior film was still really solid. Um, I think, like you mentioned, Jennings Dunker, uh, I, I put, you know, a little bit of a tease for our VIP superlatives. I put Jennings Dunker as the guy to prove the star rating system wrong, and he's a high three-star. I think he's a four-star uh, talent. The, the way he can move his feet, his aggression, his point of attack, that first punch, it's dynamic. But let's continue down the line here, Sean. Let's flip over the probably the most talked about part of this recruiting class, even though the offensive line might be the most stacked. It, it's got to be the wide receiver room, Sean. I know there is some late drama potentially with Keegan Johnson. Uh, Notre Dame was thinking about throwing an offer out there. They never did. But with the way Spencer Petras was able to progress over the final two weeks, and I think Keegan feels really comfortable with his decision. And it's very hard not to be excited about the three guys that Iowa has in this 2021 class. Yeah, you touched on it with Keegan. I mean, with some of those schools coming in, obviously with the way that Iowa's passing game struggled for the first couple games. And, you know, that was a legitimate concern from a number of people. And I don't want to dive too much into it, but just the way that we've seen Spencer Peters grow, I felt like that made – Keegan a lot more comfortable and a lot more, you know, willing to take on that role at, at wide receiver for Iowa. And I think he'll be a great fit there. I think, too, with the improvement we've seen Petrus, um, I think that just sets, you know, a better a better precedent for some of these other guys. And Arlen Bruce I've been really impressed with, too. I mean, he was the guy that we currently have as a three-star that I put in my most likely to prove the star rating wrong. I think there's a chance that we boost him up to a four-star this cycle. I mean, I'm one that's really pushing it, but he he got up to – he put on 10 pounds this season, and his highlight tape, like, he looked stronger. Yes. But he also had way more twitch, and he was very good at breaking, accelerating, and just looked very, very tough to stop. When last year, he kind of was more like a straight-line guy, but this year he was really able to beat guys with his agility, with his jukes, and – just with kind of his lateral movement, I mean, we saw it in the state championship game when he when he really broke the ankles of Xavier Wonkpa when he got to the second level. Xavier Wonkpa, if you're not familiar, top 50 player in the 2022 class and, you know, has offers from Ohio State, LSU, a bunch of those big schools. And Arlen kind of just made him look like another regular guy. So I was really impressed with that. I mean, I know he's coming to Iowa as a wide receiver, but – I think that's a good omen for, you know, when Iowa chooses to, to use him in the Wildcat and in other situations as well. I think they could maybe use him in a screen. Who knows? 
Um, but Brody Brecht, also, like I mentioned before, lowest guy, one of the lower guys in the class in terms of overall ranking. But I think his upside is so high and similar to Brandon Smith. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, you know, I mean, because Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon was pretty skinny coming into Iowa, and he's really bulked up. I think Brody can be similar to that. I've been impressed with how much weight, how much good weight, and how much stronger he's gotten in the past year. Because you look back to last year and the year before, like he was pretty skinny. He was probably throwing like high eighties, maybe I don't even know yeah. if he was touching. He's probably one eighty five, I think, or so. Yeah, I don't even know if he was touching ninety at that point. But he put on some good muscle, and like it was noticeable. But it wasn't like oh my god, like he put on a lot of muscle. But he picked up his fastball to like ninety three, ninety four. And he just looks very, very strong on the football field as well when it came to, you know, breaking tackles and getting to those yards after contact. So he's going to be really good. I'm, I'm interested to see how he really performs with that whole baseball-football dynamic. But also before we move on to another topic, I think Arlen Bruce, I talked a lot about his acceleration and how he's able to beat guys. Um, but I really think the most impressive thing this year, too, is how he was able to run through guys. I thought that was something really, really strong with him is he's able to run through guys and um, use that added strength and along with, you know, being so twitchy and being able to beat guys, you know, to the outside with his speed and his acceleration breaking everything. So, yeah, this wide receiver class, like they have a lot of different skill sets. I think that's what's so important with this group is they have different skill sets that will really benefit each other. You can play all three on the field at once if you need to. I think Brody could play inside, outside. I think Arlen's going to mainly slot. And I could see Keegan, I mean, he could play outside and inside, but he'll probably stick to outside. I think Keegan and Brody will mainly stick to outside. Yeah. But, like, if you need them to, like, they could play inside. And, I mean, people have talked about moving Brody to tight end. I really don't see that happening. I don't buy it either. Yes. But, I mean, he's a really good blocker. That's also very important. He has got a lot better with his blocking over the past couple years, which I think is very, very notable, especially for a wide receiver. I mean, Brandon Smith's – one of the best run blocking wide receivers in the big 10. And, you know, he may not be catching a ton of balls every game, but he's making an impact with his run blocking. So yeah, that's definitely notable. And here's the thing too, Sean, you talk about Brody's jump from, you know, a couple of years ago to this year, I thought Brody just, I mean, granted, this helps when you add, you know, the 15, 20 pounds or whatever it is, he was much better at utilizing his body and just overpowering defensive backs. Like not that he was shying away from contact before, but he knows how to leverage his bodies to make big plays. Like those 50-50 passes as sophomore and junior were 70-30, 75-25 balls in, in his senior year. And I know you just did an excellent breakdown, Arlen Bruce. I really quickly want to talk a little bit about Keegan Johnson because he, he is the highest-rated wide receiver. I know you and I have sung his praises multiple times on this. I can't get over just how big of a get this is and – for the Iowa staff, I mean, this is the highest-rated wide receiver Iowa's gotten since Keenan Davis, which I believe was in 2008. So, I mean, this is the best wide receiver get as far as ratings go over the past decade. And to pry him away from a, his Nebraska legacy and to pry him away from his home state school, I think that speaks volumes to the work that Kelton Copeland has done in that wide receiver room and what the Iowa wide receivers have just done as a group. I mean, it's been noticeable when Iowa put up that performance in the Holiday Bowl and you're seeing just some of the talent that they're getting in that room. It's so much easier to recruit. And I think that that's a pure reflection on on what Kelton Copeland's been able to just revitalize. Because again, when he took it over 
I think in 2016, Sean, that was our, I would argue the worst wide receiver room in the country. There were two scholarship receivers. There was just really not much to work with, but Kelton Copeland after three or four years has thrived with it. And now you're talking about wide receiver being one of the strengths of an Iowa offense, which, you know, again, you rewind three, four years ago, you would never have expected that. Uh, really quickly break down Keegan Johnson, and I want to flip back over uh, to Cooper DeGene and some of the defensive line. But just talk about – you've seen Keegan live. You've gotten the chance to talk to him. Just give a mini breakdown of him. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, he's not an overly freak athletic. I think you look at guys like Brody Beck and your jaw just drops with some of the things he's able to do on the football field. Same thing with Arlen Bruce at times. I mean, just his twitch, but... Keegan's just naturally smooth. I don't know what it is, but he just makes a game look easy. And I really think, like, you can break that down, but, I mean, he's not super gifted in terms of, like, his physical physique. I think he's a very – I think he's got a pretty good frame. But, I mean, in terms of height, like, in terms of just natural speed, I just think he's very fundamentally sound and just has a lot of tools that you want in a Power 5 wide receiver, especially in the big time as well. He ran the ball a lot last – or he didn't run the ball a lot, but he was used in the running game. He was used on sweeps, similar to Amir Smith-Marset. He had that big touchdown his junior season in the state championship on a sweep. Um, he just does a lot of things well in the football field that translate to success. Like, he just does the little things, and I feel like his – now he's not <clears> – <throat> excuse me. <clears throat> he's not going to be like a – I think he can come in and make <clears> – jeez. <throat> You've been talking a lot today, Sean. It's all good. (laughs) Yeah, I just added some water. Um, He's just got, you know, just something about him. Like, he's just got that natural feel, those natural instincts that you can't really describe. Like, I think think he's a great route runner. I think he's very smooth with everything. He's got soft hands. He's able to really reach the ball at the highest point. Does a lot of things well in that regard. But – I don't know. There's just something like you wouldn't think true freshman like on the field, but we saw it with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset a few years ago. I think we could see something similar to Keegan Johnson. I don't know about starter right away, but I don't think it would surprise me if he was on the two deep maybe early in the yeah. season. Well, especially being an early enrollee, which I think is a yes. huge, huge deal. Um, I mean, yeah, I think you summed that up pretty well, Sean. I know we got to get to Joe, Joe Labis. But let's flip the defensive side real quick because I know we have some questions we got to answer too. Uh, but I like this group on defense. I think that I love the addition of Jeremiah Pittman. And just you talk, you talk to him for, what, 20 minutes for a VIP day. I mean, you talk yeah. about an absolutely perfect culture fit, right? I mean, to the T, I think. About yes, just, without just, a doubt. And I think he brings a unique skill set. And if he continues to add on that muscle – the way he has just from April and now, I mean, I'm very interested to see how he performs. I know he is too, uh, which is, a, I think, a pretty cool comment in the video when you talked about what he expects and, and how excited he is to get to Iowa City 
and you said, I'm excited to go up against guys that are bigger than me and just mm-hmm. see how I stack up because he's always been the biggest kid. Um, but yeah, you talk about Jeff Bowie, who I, he's an athletic freak. He'll, I think he'll need a little bit of development and it's quite a jump to go from West branch football to big 10 football. But again, he's got the makeup to be able to do that. Griffin little Iowa has been after for years. I know some people are talking about maybe he's the Tyler Linderbaum. Maybe he switches over the offensive line. I don't know if I quite buy that talk, Sean, I think he could, but I also think his potential is higher on defense, especially, and we'll talk about this more on our VIP stuff later, especially if Iowa does find a way to add Michael Mislinski to the mix. Uh, I mean, then that center spot would be filled. But that defensive line room, I love Max Llewellyn. He might be one of my favorite recruits that Iowa has in this cycle. I think there's a lot of upside there. I would argue he might have one of the highest ceilings on the team. There's just a lot of explosiveness on the edge. I think he knows how to contain runners. I think he can get to the quarterback, and I think he's just a flat-out gamer. So I'm very excited to see what you know Jay Neiman and Kelvin Bell can do with him. But that out Urbandale, but man, I, I love watching his film, Sean. I think Max could has a chance to be a very special player in Iowa. Right. And a lot of people talk about the wide receivers, a lot of people talk about the offensive line. But dude, this defensive line class, I think, has a chance to be very, very good. Now I want to start with Bowie because I was I've saw I've seen him the most out of this group. But Bowie, I think you look at West Branch's defense. They focused a lot on the linebackers. The line, the defensive linemen were usually decoys, and we talked about before how they were used more. I mean, Jeff was used more as a decoy, and teams would run away from him, so his stat line didn't really show much. But he's got a lot of intangibles that you want. He's very athletic. He's got a nice frame. He's pretty long. He works hard in the weight room. He's got a lot of things going for him. I know Kelvin Bell is very high on him as well, and I think that's all you can ask at this point is confidence from a coach. Griffin Little was kind of the same way this year, um, more on the interior, but, man, he plays both ways, and he plays dang hard. That's why I think he's a very high-floor guy, just because he's so competitive and he's got that wrestling background, and usually those types of things work out in Iowa's favor. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Pittman, like I said before, I'm very, very sold on him. He played partly fullback last year for St. Bieter, and, man, just watching him run through you guys. Like, I, I think it would be a lot of fun to see him be do QB sneaks at Iowa at some point just for the heck of it. <laughs> or maybe get, like, a big man <laughs> touchdown or something. But he is an absolute monster. He's very athletic. Gets more is more athletic than he gets credit for. Um, uses his hands very well. He's pretty violent. He can really work off the edge, too, but he's going to be more of a guy on the interior. Really excited about his upside. Um, and the Max Llewellyn, I think, is the crown jewel of this, of this class and the defensive line and the rankings show it. He is just physically a monster. He played last season, his junior season at 205, and was throwing kids on the floor and or throwing kids on the ground and, you know, running through guys and making big tackles, like almost taking people's heads off. And that was at 205 pounds. He's up to 235 now and looked the same way this year while playing both ways. And it's not like – it doesn't look like he added any weight. Like, he's still very muscular, and he's just very lean. And I think he could put on, like, you know, you know, 15 to 20 more pounds if need be and really not lose a step. Yeah. yeah. He is just – when people see him up close, like, they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, he is a big boy. And same thing with Jeremiah, same thing with Jeff, same thing with Griffin. Like – these are all big dudes. Like they are very, very good. Like they're dogs. We talked. Yes, we talk about we talk about their the wide receivers and offensive lines. But these guys, 
they are just hard nosed competitors. Like this group is going to be very, very good in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I want to quickly follow up with Llewellyn too. I mean, Sean, like you mentioned, I think he could put on another 25 pounds and if he can keep that same explosiveness, he's a guy I could see playing on Sundays easily. I mean, I'm talking mid round draft yes. pick. I, I am very sold on him. He just has such good pursuit of the quarterback. He's explosive. I think, Pad level is the biggest issue right now, but I think you throw him in with Jay Neiman and Kelvin Bell and you see what they've done with some of the guys. I mean, again, I, I know people hate this term. Some people do. He's such a high floor guy, but mm -hmm. I also think that's a very big compliment because that means people expect you to contribute at some level. And I, I think the upside with him is just awesome. And he's probably one of the more fun players, I think, in this class. A couple more people I want to dive into. Uh, Sean, before we answer questions, because we're kind of doing many individual breakdowns of it. You've gotten the chance to get to know Justice Sullivan a little bit. He's starting out linebacker, uh, but I think you and I both see him as an, a future edge rusher. Uh, he's got quite a background story. But again, you talk about guys that fit the Iowa culture perfectly. I think Justice Sullivan's another prime example of that. Yeah, without a doubt. He's got a lot. I mean, he's not the tallest guy, but he's pretty. he's built pretty well, and he's pretty athletic. Can move in space too. I thought coming off the edge, he's pretty. He's pretty. Uh, he didn't have his hand in the ground. He kind of did. He started doing that his junior year. He started out playing with his hand in the ground, but he moved to you know standing up on the edge. And I thought he looked a lot more comfortable there. I think he's. I think he'll be decent for a linebacker. He kind of reminds me of Jay Higgins a little bit, except I thought Jay. I mean, those guys were two, both really good sideline to sideline. Jay has a size advantage on Justice a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. I, I could definitely see him being a weak side defensive edge, yeah. um, you know, kind of similar to – I don't want to say Chauncey Golston because Chauncey Golston is like – well, Chauncey's a strong side, um, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. And Van Valkenburg is on the other side, but I kind of see a Jeff Bowie a little bit to Van Valkenburg. I don't know if maybe that's just me, like, thinking these guys are the same size, but I think it'll be very, very interesting to see Justice Sullivan where he ends up. I think he can move well. He's played both – I think he's played both linebacker spots um, in high school as well at one point. But from what I remember last year, he played mostly standing up off the edge, and I thought that's where he looked the most comfortable. Now I could see him playing – a linebacker at Iowa, maybe, but I think really coming off the edge will probably be where he's most valuable. But he's a guy I think too doesn't really get talked about as much. Same thing with Zach Tweet and Jaden Harrell. I think those guys too. I think that's just a product of them being committed for so long. Because keep in mind, yeah. Justice only had offers from Minnesota, Nebraska, and Iowa. And I mean, he committed. Just you know, he he committed. I think. November of 2019 so I mean he's been a part yeah. of the class for a long time uh, but as you mentioned not the tallest guy in the world I think he's built well I definitely see him going to edge but let's dive in this linebacker room a little bit more then I want to talk about Joey Lavis I want to talk about Cooper DeGene we'll end off with some questions but Sean as you mentioned Zach Tweed I think is a sneaky good get I don't think he got as many offers because partially due to the uh, obviously the pandemic and not being able to go to camps but He's imp I think he's an impressive prospect just because he was a do-it-all star for Rolling Story High School. He knows the game of football. He's played so many different positions. He's a guy who's also enrolling early. I like what I, I like the starter kit. I don't think he's going to be a very early contributor, 
but I do mm-hmm. think he will find his way onto the two deep, uh, at least by his third year in the program or so. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. And Dave, he committed pretty early to Iowa. I mean, he was committed to Iowa State. I think he committed like after and like maybe January of his freshman year. It was like obviously 2019 January. I think. I mean, right when he got the offer, he basically committed on the spot, if I can remember correctly. It was a little more. There was a couple months in between, um, but he was kind of a surprise commit for Iowa State. I think it kind of caught the coaching staff off guard, from what I, from what I've heard. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this story before. Jamie Neiman takes over, makes him a big priority. Iowa keeping in touch with him a lot. Iowa State kind of backed off a little bit. I don't know if it was really necessarily backing off, but they weren't talking to as much. Iowa got him on camp, got him an offer, and from there it just kind of worked out in Iowa's favor. So, yeah, I mean, Zach, he he played a little skinnier or a little smaller as a junior. I don't remember exactly what weight he was, but you could definitely see the progression of just how he's been able to grow physically over his high school. Like it's night and day. We have a picture in him in the database from, I think maybe his freshman year. Like the dude is literally a stick and he is very, like he hates it when I use that picture for things. (laughs) He is literally, he is so small and just the way he's able to been able to grow naturally. Like he's got like legs, the size of like tree trunks, but he can still move pretty well. He's got a very toned upper body, very muscular, Kind of a guy that I think, too, you can use sort of as, like, multiple positions. I mean, I was recruiting him as a linebacker, but his high school coach, former high school coach Aaron Steslin, um, who's no longer a rolling story, said that, you know, I was recruiting him as a linebacker, but I could maybe see him as a tight end if he needs to be that, if he needs to be, like, a blocking tight end or even a receiving tight end because you look at his high school film and he's making catches. Like, he's making catches like a wide receiver would. And he's a guy that, too, that doesn't get as much pub as some of these other guys because, you know, he didn't really play much his senior season. I think their teams were not very good as well. So that kind of impacted his performance a little bit. And, you know, we didn't really get to see much of him. So I think you got to look at the athletic tools. They're all there. His weight room development's there. He's a guy that really likes to get after in the weight room. I'll be interested to see how his speed kind of holds up with the added muscle that he's put on. But I think he's another guy, too, that might not necessarily be an early guy, but I think he can find some sort of role um, in Iowa. And, uh, yeah, and another thing, too, uh, I love Jane Harrell, uh, Urbandale. I, he, you know, he grew up an Iowa fan. He wrote a letter to himself. He tweeted it, which was really cool. Uh, he wanted to earn a scholarship to Iowa. He wanted to play for Iowa. And, you know, today you got to fulfill that dream. I think he's a very good get, too. High three-star linebacker, sideline to sideline. Very sound technically and fundamentally. I mean, he's a solid tackler, also played a little bit of running back for Urbandale. I think you talk about another guy, Sean, who's a high floor prospect. I think it I think it's him. I think the duo of him and, and Max Llewellyn just made that Urbandale defense a pretty solid one in state this year. But again, I like the starter kit, especially even in this four two five uh four two five defense. I think Jaden is a perfect fit for what they'll want to do in that system as well, because when he committed, I believe they were just getting in their second season of running that, but I think he could be a four, three linebacker. I think he can be a four, two, five linebacker. I think, again, you talk, you talk about guys who have had success in the Iowa program uh, as far as linebackers go. And I think he fits that mold. I think people should be very excited about him again, did not blow up on the recruiting trail, visited Iowa a couple of times, earned an offer from Nebraska, kind of delayed that visit a little bit, 
but then he committed to Iowa. I think he's another guy who would have picked up numerous more offers had he kept his recruitment open. But as I mentioned, he was basically sold when, when Iowa offered. It was just sort of a matter of time there. I really like what I saw of him. But, Sean, a prospect I think a lot of people have questions on is uh, Carson Scherer, the, the newest commit back December 11th, I believe. He flipped from northern Iowa, flipped on the spot. Give us at least a mini breakdown of him because he was sort of an under-the-radar prospect. Iowa had been keeping tabs for a while. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I talk about, again, a guy who's a late offer, he kind of fits the mold for a guy who could eventually make a major contribution down the road. Yeah, I love I love telling this story. I was uh well obviously as you guys know, Carson had the Drake basketball offer his freshman year, put up about like twenty points a game and I think that was before Darren DeVries took over as Drake's head basketball coach. So it was a different staff, but I remember like keeping my eye on Carson like basketball wise, like hey, maybe he'll maybe he'll get like a high major somewhere. Like he was a pretty good score. Not necessarily a a uh topper in terms of like his height or athleticism by any means but he could score the basketball so I was kind of doing due diligence being like yeah like he'll be a decent basketball player went to the UNI shootout last summer um to go see Bowen Bourne who ended up going to Northern Iowa but Iowa was really really talking him up at one point maybe offering and I was in between games and I stopped and I was kind of like ah here's Carson Gerard like I'm gonna check him out watch him like get some film on basketball wise Thinking like, hey, maybe I'll put together a mixtape for him, like do something like that. Didn't really do much. Um, he had a couple buckets, but it wasn't anything like super pretty. It was kind of just like mid-range, like one dribble, like kind of typical basketball stuff. So I was kind of like, all right, like that's fine. You know, waiting for Bowen Bourne's game to finish, the next game in the McLeod Center, um, which is UNI's home court, and I was talking to uh, Michael Collison, the uh, head basketball coach at Iowa Falls. And he was kind of saying like, and he's his brother's Nick Collison um, who played for Kansas and the Thunder. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So he was kind of talking like, yeah, like, you know, like I got a couple of guys on my team. I'm like, what's, what's been Carson been up to? Like, how's he been doing basketball? He's like, yeah, not really many for basketball, honestly. Like he might try and play like, you know, kick it up a notch for football this year. So I was like, oh, okay. Like I'll keep my eye on him. He's got decent size and stuff. I really didn't do a good job keeping my eye on him. Saw him, you know, looked at his profile. Like, he started receiving some mail, and I was like, 6'3", 205 now. Watch his films. Like, holy cow, like, this kid could be a really, really good FCS player. I mean, I was thinking that Iowa's class was full at that one point. Iowa started sending him stuff. We're kind of like, oh, he'll be a PWO, like, probably something like that. He commits to Northern Iowa, didn't think of anything of it. And then, you know, just our luck, Iowa offers. So, it was very, very interesting recruitment and kind of how that all panned out. I talked to their uh, head football coach, you know, a couple hours after Carson committed to Iowa, and he was kind of like, yeah, like he was sold on basketball, but, you know, things started to change, and he became a really, really good football prospect. And Kirk Ferentz said it too during his press conference today. He saw Cooper and Carson from their basketball tape, and I think what you kind of need to take away from that is the importance of multi-sport athletes and also the importance of just the athletic gifts that you see on the basketball court. Like Carson wasn't going up dunking on guys like Cooper is, but Carson was really good at finishing around contact, really good at finishing on the rim, pretty good defender, had to guard some taller guys at times, but just really physically built now. And he grew a couple inches. His dad was a pretty good player at UNI for football for a couple of years. I think he was an all-conference player at one point. Mm-hmm. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. But he's got the bloodlines, and he might not be done growing either. His high school coach said it'll start out a linebacker, probably an outside linebacker role. But, I mean, it depends on how he grows. He could be a safety too. So I think just having those types of athletic guys that you can kind of put in different spots, I think kind of that that's the role that Carson fills. And I think, too, maybe if he was a um, football prospect earlier, he could have had, you know, Iowa State, Minnesota, Nebraska offered him in Iowa as well. But it kind of just turned out that way with the COVID stuff and didn't really work out in his favor. But, I mean, hey, look where we're at now. Look where he's at now. And, you know, it's going to work out for him. I think he's a guy that a lot of people are kind of like, eh, but that's just because they didn't really know anything about him. I think you watch the tape, 73 total ta- solo tackles, 80 total tackles. That's 73 solo tackles. Like, that does not happen that's insane. often. Yeah, and he it runs really – and he, they, like, ran him to the ground on offense, too. Like, the energy to do that, just the athleticism, like, that is very, very, very impressive. Like, I know I sound like I'm talking, like, all these recruits are going to be God, but, like, you look at, like, this class, like, I think it's that good. Like, this class is has potential to be a very, very good one. And I think, too, you look at Carson Schrar, and I think he's a guy that fits that mold of what we've seen Iowa have success with with their in-state linebackers. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you, too. And I think that's what people need to realize, too. When we talk about the upside of these guys, Sean, it's no, it's no coincidence that it's the highest-rated recruiting class. And I'll call it the internet era. I know 2005, but they also, it was a lot, also a lot more difficult to rate prospects then and everything like that. A quick note I want to bring up about Max Llewellyn, which I can't believe we didn't bring up when we were talking about the defensive line, Sean. Iowa was actually the first one to offer him as defensive lineman because he was a tight end prospect at first by many schools and then some more schools started to come around to that fact Penn's I think what Penn State offer him he earned about seven offers in 14 days or something like that I believe I believe that Nebraska offered him before Iowa did well Iowa was the first one as far as a defensive end goes right uh I, I think Nebraska wrong. offered him as a tight end um let me look really quick. It was either one of the two, but either way, no, Iowa. The, the Huskers liked him as a uh, defensive end. They did like him as a defensive end. Okay, yes. but Iowa, I think he really started to like blow up once people realized, hey, you know, he might be good at, as a defensive lineman. And again, when you look at the tape, I think it's fairly obvious as to why. But again, we have a couple more guys really quick, Sean. I know this podcast is going a bit longer, but again, we get so amped up when talking about this class and I think it's very easy to uh what, what, before we get to Cooper DeGene Sean let's talk about Joe Labis I mean he was originally a two-star prospect Iowa offered 24-7 sports re-evaluated him became a four-star prospect and I think he's lived up to that mold and I think Iowa fans will like hearing this he's a capable runner he's a tough kid and I think on top of that he's a winner as a sophomore had an injury his team went 0-10 he wanted to play quarterback with his offhand that's how badly he wanted to play obviously it wasn't a good idea to do that so they didn't do it but he comes back leads his team to what a seven and three record as a junior he won 
district offensive player of you know, offense player of the district. And then as a senior, he just put together a very stable, uh, consistent performer. And I, I think he can throw a good deep ball. He can get out of the pocket. And I think on top of that, one of his best traits, Sean, he can throw on the run. He does not really get uncom- in any uncomfortable situations. And I think that's what he wanted a quarterback. I mean, he just looks like – I hate using this because it's such a cliche. He just looks like a gamer. And I think he's going to make – the. I think if, if, if he had been an early enrollee, I think the quarterback battle would have been very interesting if he got to learn the Iowa system quickly. Yeah, and he said it too. Like he kind of expressed confidence in, in himself when he committed back in June where he was kind of like, yeah, I've seen what the guys in the quarterback room can do. Like I'm excited to learn from them and like excited to get to know them. But I see my ability as kind of a thing that can take this offense to the next level because I can use my feet to get outside the pocket more than some of these other guys can. And I thought that was so interesting too because you watch the tape and he didn't really do it much this year. That was kind of a, by design, but he's a guy that you can use in RPO situations. You can use in play action pretty well. Um, you know, a guy that you can use as a running, so not necessarily just like an option running or quarterback. I mean, he's a dual threat by trade, but he is a pro style. He is he is a pro style quarterback with a dual threat skill set, if that makes sense. Yes, 100%. Yes, he is – very very fundamentally sound I think his footwork got a lot better this year inside the pocket you know with the slides and just making better throws and you know just understanding the game better and he was just a guy that they relied on so well this year I remember I talked to uh Brexville Broadview Heights head coach Martin Poder um a couple weeks ago and he was kind of like yeah Joey was so poised in the pocket and just the plays he was able to make. I mean, we didn't use him much in the run game this year, but he just looks so much more comfortable in the pocket. World's better. And he looked good last year as a junior too, but this year he just really seemed to take that extra step. And he had a couple of guys on this team that were pretty good wide receivers. I know one of them is going to Dayton, I believe. And I think there was another one, but I can't remember exactly that were pretty good that made him look pretty, pretty uh, solid. But I think what separates Joey is just that natural ability on the football field and that athletic ability. Again, again, it's the three sport athlete thing was a pretty good baseball player was a pretty solid basketball player as well. Just got a lot of natural athletic ability that will translate well to the next level. And, you know, when you talk about early enrolling as well, obviously you would have liked to see him maybe in a quarterback battle. Um, I mean, not necessarily that he'd start or be like in the competition really, but you know, it's just good in the swing of things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, it depends on the school, but a lot of quarterback, like I was been lucky where they've had, you know, limited quarterback battles in the past couple of years. Like obviously the one with Nate Stanley back in 2017, but it kind of seemed evident where that was going. And then really the keys were handed to Spencer Petrus right away. And it was kind of that conversation for about a year. So I really think quarterback battles are pretty rare at Iowa in that sense, but I'm very, very interested to see how things fare when, uh, you know, Deuce Hogan and Joey Lapis are on campus at the same time. I think that'll be a very interesting dynamic. I mean, maybe, who knows, Iowa will probably stick with Deuce as a starter, but I think Joey is a guy that you can use in different situations that it will be really nice to have. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this works. I think some of the guys behind Peaches, they're really going to have to duke it out. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch, but I think Lapis has that ability to make an impact somewhere down the line 
they're all kind of chomping at the bit, but that's what you want in any position, especially at quarterback. I mean, you want guys that want to compete with one another. Uh, right. And, you know, and last, last commit to break down, Sean, then we're going to do a little bit of rapid fire questions. Cooper DeGene, I mean, what a story I think he is. I mean, small town Iowa boy. And I'll say this, Sean, the thing that stands out to me most, and again, I hate using this cliche, but after watching him and in the playoffs and everything like that, you talk about a guy that's a winner and a high school legend. Cooper DeGene fits that mold perfectly. Four-sport athlete, did everything, everything for his high school football team, made unbelievable plays in the state championship to somehow churn out that win the final three minutes. The dude is a flat-out gamer, and it was a really cool thing to watch him uh, be named an All-American, too. I mean, you talk about small-town Iowa boy achieving big dreams and big things. Top 247 safety, by the way. I mean, I think 24-7 sports is definitely ahead of the curve on this one. I mean, he went from an unranked prospect to, what, a four-star on the spot? Maybe a high three-star and eventually moved to a four-star. But Cooper DeGene, man, it, I'll let you explain. I know you've talked to him. You've, you've seen him play. But, it's, again, you talk about a gamer. You talk about a winner. You talk about a guy with an ultimate skill set that I think can perfectly translate into being a very good potential all-conference Big Ten safety in the future. I think you get Cooper DeGene. Yeah, I definitely think – that this kid's going to be one of the more higher ceiling guys in the class. I think Max Llewellyn's certainly up there. Um, and, you know, a couple others as well. But I think Cooper is a guy that comes in with these expectations of, you know, being an in-state guy, being the small town kid, kind of already a feel good story. But now this is where all this stuff really comes to fruition. Um, I'm very interested to see how he fares. He's another guy who kind of started out more as a basketball prospect had like, D2 interest and maybe some D1. I think he had a couple D2 offers, but D1 interest. Um, I noticed him when I saw him dunk on that one guy. I think it was in the spring of his sophomore season for basketball. It just absolutely yammed one guy. I was like, oh, like this kid, like I don't know how tall he is exactly, but he could be a very, very interesting defensive back prospect at the next level, depending on what his size is. And I thought – I didn't think anything of it really at that point, but I mean, you turn on the film and just the way he's able to move around on the football field with just such, just looks effortless. Um, I wish I would have seen it more against Signe Kyoto, but I think he had such capable receivers that there were some games where he really did not have to do much throwing and it was more just like running around and, you know, breaking tackles. I know, say what you want, Western Iowa football class two way. Some people say lack of competition. I think I think it's some to a degree. I think he wouldn't been able to do some of the things he does now in class four A. Yeah. But take into account that he's going to Iowa to play safety. Like those athletic traits that he showed at quarterback, the way he was able to break, the way he's able to change directions and just make people miss. And I mean, he would run guys over too. He had a couple interceptions, great ball skills on defense. Like just all the athletic traits and tools that he has, like he has everything that he needs to be a very, very good Big Ten defensive back. Like, I think there's no question about that. Now it's just, you know, getting into a system, getting comfortable with the step up in the competition and putting that on the field and, you know, making it making it what it is. Um, I'm very interested to see how he fares. I think there's a couple, you know, spots up and in safety at the safety position. Um, obviously, Jack Kerner's still got another year or two. Kayvon Merriweather's got a couple more years. 
behind those guys, I think things are pretty open. I mean, we've seen Reggie Bracey emerge, seen walk-on Quinn Schulte emerge. There's a couple of the other younger guys in the room, such as Sebastian Castro, who had really good high school film, was kind of an underrated prospect. But I think Cooper's a guy that can find his way onto the two deep eventually. I just don't know about significant contributor early, but I think he's a guy that's going to be a really, really fun player to watch develop at Iowa. Yeah, and I think on top of that too, Sean, he's just going to be tough to keep off the field. I think that's the biggest thing. I think the upside, like you said, I think that's why 24-7 sports was so sold on him too, is just because he shows that athleticism that translates. You're not four sport, you're not a four-sport athlete and excel in all four sports and not be able to play or have some great athletic qualities to you. But, Sean, we do have a few questions. I really want to break this down. I know we went long on this, but, again, we just get too excited talking about these prospects. Um, I'll start with you, and I'll, I'll respond to so each of these questions one who makes the biggest skill position uh impact right away is it a skill position player um i'm gonna go with i could say key and johnson maybe but even then i don't i don't really know because i'd like to see i'm i'm interested to see what happens with some of the seniors this year i think the easy answer is key and johnson um I'm going to go with him, honestly. I'm going to go off the board a little bit. I'm going to go Arlen Bruce. I think just the shiftiness and the natural running ability and just – I think there's just something about him, Sean, and I think you know this too. When you watch him play, there's something so dynamic about him. And I think if he comes in with that same swagger, learns the playbook, and if the opportunity opens up, you know, I might put this out there. I would not be surprised to see Keegan and Arlen maybe play next year. I really wouldn't. I think they both ha- will have an opportunity to show what they can do. I think they're both capable of it, but it also depends on how last year's class progressed and how some of the guys, again, who returns and, and all of that. Uh, let's see. With Labus being a dual threat guy in this class, uh, Deuce Hogan, Padilla, Petrus, predominantly pocket passers. Are we looking at a three-way competition in the spring uh, for the 2021 starter, but 2022 being a two-quarterback? team with Lavis coming in to run RPO or a change of pace? Yeah, I mean, I think we could see maybe a change of pace. I don't want to speculate or anything, but I think that'll be very interesting to see how they how they use him. Um, and then we can maybe see a two-quarterback race. But then, you know, the argument, the argument or the saying goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. So, yeah. I don't know. That would just be – would we – in an alternate universe, would we ever think of, or, or not an alternate universe, look back, <laughs> even like two or three years ago, like Kirk Ferentz using two, two quarterbacks, one as a passing guy, more of a pro style, and then one as an RPO type. Look, they run the Wildcat. I, I, you know, and I never thought I'd see that day. So honestly, Sean, I'm not going to throw anything off the table. I, because I, again, I never would have thought they'd run the Wildcat and, and run it well on top of that, which I think they've shown. But as far as a three quarterback competition for the spring 2021, yeah, I do. I think there'll be a competition. Do I think Spencer Petrus comes out on top? Yeah, I do. I, I think he's shown enough in these last couple of games. I think he's starting to get the swagger back. But uh, once Petrus is gone, man, that quarterback battle is going to be intense. Uh, Cooper's from my hometown. What are the chances he sees the field next year besides special teams? Also, could Iowa maybe look to bulk him up and move to linebacker, or do you think they're going to keep him at safety? 
I think they'll end up keeping him safety. Now, I think, you know, the argument that he could maybe develop into a cash, I thought that was interesting, or, like, even a linebacker. But I think he'll be best to use as a safety. Um, and as far as making the – seeing the field next year, um, you know, I think maybe we could see him, like, kind of a late game, like Reggie Bracey. But I don't want to – I don't want to put money on that or anything. I think we sure. could see him play special teams early, though. But my whole thing is behind that, would they waste a year of eligibility to play him on special teams with some right. of Cooper's upside? And well, that's where I think they'll have to make a decision. That's another thing you got to take into account um, as well with, you know, this year we kind of always had in the back of our mind that these guys get an extra year of eligibility, but that's not going to be the case next year with all this. So something to keep in mind. That's a good point, Dave. Yeah, so uh, do you see one of the newly signed wide receivers getting playing time at receiver next year, given that Brandon Smith and Amir Smith are likely done? If so, which ones? I think we kind of touched on that. Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce. I think Brody Breck still needs a year or two under his belt to really see his potential. But I think Brody will be a huge red zone threat down the line. You got, yes. you got anything to add to that? I mean, without a doubt, I think he'll be a big, a big red zone guy. He's 6'4 now. He'll be – He'll get even stronger. He's a great athlete. Like, there's a lot to like about this kid. Uh, skill position players get most of the love, but I'd like to talk about the big, the big uglies up front. Any of the <laughs> linemen coming in uh, going to have a shot at extensive playing time next year? David Koff, Colby. And then also, who is your diamond in the rough pick for the class? Sean, I'll let you start off. Do you have any linemen that you think could maybe break the mold? I've always talked about David Koff, but I also think that – the tackle positions seem to be in pretty good shape next year with Mark Kallenberg and Jack Palm. Now I wouldn't be surprised to see David maybe take the, make the two deep later on in the season. But I feel like with some of the things that he might have to figure out, um, it might take him a little bit longer. I honestly don't know. I think the offensive line is such in such a good spot right now in terms of guys they got coming back. I mean, I know they'll miss Alaric Jackson next year. Who knows if Koi Kronk comes back. Um, that's a big just, question mark. Yeah, too, for there's, sure. there's a lot of questions. Um, and I think on the interior as well, like who knows what Tyler Linderbaum's going to do the interior. I mean, Kyler shocked will come back. Cole Banward, I think has another year. Um, just cause he, yeah. Cause the free year of eligibility. I mean, he'd come back for I yeah. think, the seventh year. <laughs> yeah. Justin Britt <laughs> is really good. Um, and then Tyler I mean, Ellsbury. even like Tyler Ellsbury. Oh. Yeah. Mason Richmond was as on the two deep Josh Wilk. Man, um, and you're not you're forgetting about yeah. like Tyler Enders and Noah Fenske as well. Um, I'll yeah. be interested to see if those guys, you know, take that step up. But I don't know. Like, I feel like maybe you could see David Koff on the two deep just because like it's a little thinner at tackle than it is guard. But I also think it depends on how some of those other guys grow. And I didn't even mention Nick DeJong at one of the tackle spots. Like, there is just a lot of depth. Like. I think there's hype about this. There is hype about this class, and for good reason, but I think you need to remember some of the guys who are ahead of them first. Agreed. Uh, and who's your diamond in the rough pick for the class? Diamond in the rough. like You don't have to expand on why, because I know that's one of our superlatives, which will come out later tonight. But yeah. uh, who do you think? Diamond in the rough in terms of, like, it depends how you, like, think about the definition, because, like, Cooper Jean had FCF's offers. Iowa was the only FBS offer. Virginia was looking really hard at him as quarterback, but he didn't want to really do that. Um, 
I don't know. Well, you, you go first. You know, I, uh, I mean, it is a tough question. I don't want to go with the obvious one, which I think is Carson. Now, take again, it depends how you define it. Take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to go Jeremiah Pittman because I know, again, it's so tough to really – because, again, there are a lot of high-floor guys. But like you said, seeing all the weight that Jeremiah Pittman put on, his persona, his film – I know he hasn't been able to play this year, but uh, I, I think his upside is tremendous. I love, again, the culture fit, I feel like it's such an undervalued and underappreciated thing. And just listening to your interviews with him for, I mean, 20, 25 minutes, he is such a good fit for the program. I have a hard time not seeing him eventually making an impact. I, I, I'm going to go with Jeremiah Pittman. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. And I think one of the things that I really respected too about Jeremiah is once he got – once he was committed, he had a group chat with a couple of the guys. Like, they were posting their weight numbers, and he saw some of the weight numbers, and he was like, oh, like, I got to do better. <laughs> and he did that. He definitely did that. He looked he looked massive today in a good way. So, yeah, I think him – I think Carson could be a very good pick. Yeah. I don't – because I want to say Cooper DeGene. I also want to say Joey Labis, but They're four I think guys. That's yeah, that's, but it's like they were under-recruited before Iowa came in. 100%. No, you know what? Yeah. Let's count that. I think that's completely fair, Sean. Like, yeah, 24-7, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back. I think our recruiting team got it right. Mm-hmm. But as far as the offers go, I, I think that qualifies. You know what? I'm going to go with Carson Scherrer, though. I'm going to take him. I think he finds a way to get on the field. I think that athletic ability and that physicality and, you know, the 73 to- the seventy three solo tackles this yeah. year, I just think you can't look past that. I think there's just too much to like about him mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't – I just see him finding his way on the field eventually. And I think this is our last one. Uh, are you concerned about the defensive back depth with transfers and only having one in this class? I'll let you take that and I can add on to it. I think yes and no, I think is the right answer, Sean. Well, think about this way. Are you concerned about the defensive back room right now in terms of who they got on the field? No. No, I don't think anybody should be just based on what we've seen. Think about this. Jack Kerner, walk on. Anyone think he was going to find a role like his, or be as impactful a player as he is now? I think he'd be hard pressed. I'm sure a few Dowling people will say they they saw it coming. I know our good friend uh, Steen was was Pat. I said yep. he asked me one question. He's like, "You think Jack Kern will play this year?" I'll be like, "Ah, there's a couple guys ahead of him." Turns out someone gets injured. Kayvon Merriweather gets injured. Jack Kern gets on the field and he hasn't lost his spot since. So that's on me there. But um, <laughs> Steen, if you're listening to this, give you a pat on the back for that. But ah. Uh, and then look at Kayvon Merriweather as well. Like, yeah. late basketball player. Like, he was late signing period, correct? Yeah, he was the day of, I think. Well, at least they yeah. announced it the day of. I think he got the offer two days before, if that. Yeah. And, I mean, look at, look at some of the other defensive backs. I mean, Riley Moss. Wasn't he, wasn't he a gray shirt guy? Yeah, he was a, a gray shirt. shirt, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, Sean. He was. Yeah. And look at the other side of the field. I mean, Matt Hankins was very, very thin coming into Iowa. And then even guys behind him, Terry Roberts, don't remember him being super highly touted. Jamari Harris, not a highly touted guy. He was a late, he was a late guy too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was going to commit to Northern Illinois until Iowa offered him. So 
you know, you think you look at the defensive backs, and now there's some guys that really haven't panned out. Julius Brents, that were more heavily recruited. Julius Brents, DJ Johnson, to name a few. Haven't seen much out of Dallas Craddock yet. Um, you know, there's still some guys that are waiting. And think about some of the guys behind him too. Brendan Diaz Fernandez, I think, is gonna be one of those guys that finds his that's gonna be the next Iowa. Makes you know, him look like a genius, basically. Yes. Same thing with AJ Lawson. I think he finds his way on the field eventually. Sebastian Castro, we haven't seen him on the field yet. Reggie Bracey, another guy that, you know, would have had more offers but got injured. Probably did have more offers, but he just didn't tweet him out or anything after he committed yeah. to Iowa. So the short answer to... short answer no, right? I mean at this point. Yeah. I, I think you bring up some really good points, Sean. Yeah, I don't you cannot bet against Phil Parker with this kind of stuff. Like he is he is on the money. He is yeah. You don't, don't question that. Yes, essentially. Like if that makes me sound like a homer, like whatever, but like that's just how it is. Like that's, that's just, just the numbers. Yes, and just like the overall production, everything like they're, the defensive backs are going to be fine. Now, I think they'll probably take one or two more. I know we talked about before that they were they, they were coming really hard after Iowa State commit. Now, signee um, Miles Purchase, who ended up signing with the Cyclones this morning. I think maybe if it would have been a different year, they could have had a better chance. They wanted, to, they wanted a Central Michigan commit DJ Stepney to wait until the next cycle to sign, but – he was like, nah, because I mean, he didn't want to risk, you know, the chance of Iowa not offering. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think Phil Parker has got something up his sleeve, and we'll figure it out. I think, you know, and you know, we talk about how worrying about the wider or worrying about the defensive back room, and you know how it's usually one of the last classes or one of the last positions to be filled. But just look at the history, look at everything else, and look at the current depth now. And you know, I think Phil, Phil will figure it out, and. We're going to be writing about once this guy signs, is he the next, you know, yeah. I Mac commit to make it to Iowa and be the next Desmond King. So, yeah, that's just that's just how it's going to be. I'm, and, I'm calling it now. And, and I apologize, too. There was one more. I'll, I'll answer this quickly because I know we've been probably double the time we thought we were going to yeah. go, Sean. But that's why that's why we don't do recruiting podcasts as much. It's we get, yeah, we, we just get too, too excited about everything. Uh, what do you expect? I'll answer this just because they answered it basically in the press today. What do you expect Kirk Ferentz and Tyler Barnes to do about the vacancy at running back and with the Emir, uh, not the Emir, the Ivory Kelly Martin injury? Is there anything known about the progress of the two running back recruits from last year? Could we see a transfer portal recruit? Loaded question. I'll answer short. Iowa is keeping tabs, I think, on a couple more running backs in this class. But the, the Ivory Kelly Martin thing does make it interesting because it is a significant knee injury. He is going to miss spring ball, but he will be ready by next fall. I would not be surprised if Iowa explored the transfer portal, depending on who goes in it. And Tyler Barnes and Kirk Ferentz essentially said the same thing today, that they love to land another Mackay Sargent. So I think that Iowa is going to explore all avenues. And as far as the progress of the two running back recruits from last year, Sean, you might know a little bit more about LaShawn. I think Gavin Williams, he's seen the field for a few carries this year, uh, and I'm very interested to see if he can break through that skill set. I mean, if he can break through as that number two guy with, if Makai Sargent, which I don't think Makai Sargent will come back just as a precursor. I'm very interested to see if Gavin Williams can emerge as that second back to Tyler Goodson because I think their skill sets would work very well with one another. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be an interesting storyline to follow. I mean, I haven't gotten the chance to really look through the uh... – 
the transcript yet since I was out and about today. Um, so that's very interesting that they brought that up because I think it's definitely definitely a possibility. I mean, running back in 2021, they like Eli Sanders a lot. Um, the Boise State commit who's between Iowa and Iowa State. I've been hearing some Iowa State chatter for that, but I think it's too early to tell anything. Good chance he might stick with Boise State as well. It'll be something to follow throughout the late signing period. But, yeah, I think running back could be interesting. I think Gavin Williams has come along, you know, better than I thought he would. Not that I wasn't sold on him, but I think maybe his junior year at SEP, he kind of underwhelmed a little bit. Senior year was fighting an injury for the first part of the year, but really seemed to grow and put together a great state championship run. Um, And, I mean, he got carries this year. I mean, I know it was in garbage time, but still got to run the ball in a game. So that's definitely notable. LaShawn Williams, I think those guys are interesting together. Kind of the same backs in a sense. But it seemed like Gavin was the one that was ahead of LaShawn at that point. Um, that was very interesting to me that they took two running backs in 2020. But I know they want to take one in 2021 for sure. So, yeah, just keep an eye on out for that. I mean, if that doesn't work out with Eli Sanders – Maybe they could go after another, you know, high school prospect. But I also think, you know, the portal wouldn't be the worst thing, especially with the type of year it's been and, you know, how many, you know, potential guys are in there. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I thought you'd find that interesting, Sean. But I, I think we could have gone an hour on defense, an hour on offense. But uh, this was fun, Sean. And I know we've had – we have a plenty of coverage at HawkeyeInsider.com. I mean, you're talking 30 – 35 articles and we're going to have more uh in the next few days as we get a chance to really kind of wind down and really take even a closer look at this class but any any final word sean i I know we've again we've been going for about 75 minutes but it's so easy to get off track and and talk about how excited we are to watch uh you know these signees actually develop into players yeah i don't i don't have anything really too groundbreaking um that i can share or anything that you know it's crazy, but there is something we'll, we'll have to do this podcast. We'll have to do it again. I feel like it'd be good, good for the people to, you know, get some more thoughts and hear our voices more. Yeah, <laughs> do, do it for the people. But, uh, yeah, HawkeyeInsider.com, uh, you know, thanks for, to everyone for following along with our coverage. Again, the, the support throughout the pandemic has been eye-opening and humbling, and, you know, we really appreciate it. We're going to continue to do our best that we can to cover I, uh, Iowa athletics. and. We'll be back here in a few days, Sean. We got Iowa-Gonzaga this weekend, and uh, things aren't going to be slowing down here anytime soon. Yeah, looking forward to it. Keep on, keep your tabs and your eyes on uh, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports Lane signing period. Should be a very, very interesting time in the 2022 class. I know only one commit right now, but I think it has potential to be pretty solid. Couldn't agree more, Sean. But again, thanks all listeners for uh, tuning in this long and uh, stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com for the latest. Thanks to all of you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 